Hey, I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. Hey y'all, this is Aeon. And this is the Lioness. And welcome to episode 17 of Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown black trans woman talk. How y'all doing? Honey. How you feeling, girl? What's the tea? So what's exciting, y'all, is I believe this is the first time that y'all are going to see that my sister and I sound... And we feel like we're in the same room because we are. Mm-hmm. My sister is here all the way from Chicago here in Atlanta. So, girl, let's do a check-in. How was your week, girl? Um, It was cute. I've been in our rendezvous to ATL um, a little while ago. I needed to get out of Chicago because I was going to lose my mind. And um, I came here to spend the 4th with you and your husband and Carolina, my niece, and I just been relaxing. Like when I come and Cleo, oh yeah, and Cleo. I forgot about Cleo. You know she's shady. That's why. <laughs> that's why I forgot about her. But um, yeah, I just I come to Elena just to um, recalibrate and um, to get my head together. This is my, definitely my last month in Chicago, so I had to kind of get out of Chicago to kind of plan for what my move is going to look like. Because I thought it was going to look one way, and then they told me it was going to cost $9,000 to hire a moving team. So, she's just going to rent a U-Haul truck, and she's going to make the long-distance drive and um, do everything myself. Because we don't have $9,000 to pay for people to ship stuff a month after they move it out of my apartment. But, I was able to, you know, just get my head together in Atlanta um and just and just chill out like we like we really haven't been like doing anything no and it's not even just because of covid so the thing about that i love about my sister is that she's a very low maintenance guest she's a very low maintenance guest and she's the kind of person that when she comes to my house she just wants to chill and relax i happen to live on a piece of water behind my house and so we, we spend a lot of time just at home, chilling on the deck, like just relaxing. And we really, this trip in particular, we never really go out much, but we always try to do at least one dinner. So tonight we did like an in-the-house dinner, and we enjoyed it, and it was cool. And we, my husband and us, we all, we all eat together when she comes, so that's dope too. But yeah, we didn't really go anywhere, so that was just like, wow. And don't get me the wrong, thing was, was open, but... Corona is still real, and I was definitely seeing videos and pictures of girls like in the club, Hats. no be- no masks, fighting in a pool, and it's just like y'all girls are really acting like you can't die from this disease, Miss. Like girl, particularly when, particularly when we know that people have a, a myriad of of, of 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 other conditions okay. that, that make you a higher susceptibility. Okay, does that make sense? Like, yes. in general, like. Hell, I have asthma. You know what I'm saying? Like, black people, we have to be careful because we tend to, because of racism, because of economic and social racism, because of medical racism and the lack of access to medical care, a lot of us can't afford to miss work because we're sick, even if you don't die. And a lot of us, we know how this medical bill situation is going to play out. Like, yeah, you can go to the hospital, but they're going to run these bills up on you. So it's just... It's a lot of uh, long-term effects that I think people aren't realizing when they go out and just be re- reckless. So I'm glad we ha- we at least have sense, bitch. Right? Yeah, I've de- I've definitely been, um, and I I talked a little bit about this on the live show. Like, Corona is real. So the airport, the airplane, um, mask on. I didn't get anything to eat. I didn't get anything to drink. Like I wasn't doing anything to take my mask off because no, ma'am, and. Everywhere I went, I wasn't, like, going in and out of places. I was, um, you know, in my own space, wasn't really interacting with folks. Because I know what time it is, and I know people don't wash their hands, and, like, people don't care. So, I've just been sitting here chilling, um, enjoying the company of 
family and just just chilling in the cut just chilling in the cut trying to prepare for this move at the end of the month and just trying to get my head together right but um atlanta yeah i've, I've seen some popular trans women like partying like in rooms of people and nobody has no mask on and they smoking blunts and talking loud and it's just like miss thing or the people at the hookah lounge just sitting there blowing their smoke around each right. other it's and it's just, just like are you kidding me that's literally what you're not supposed to do it's it's so irresponsible but i i'm glad i took the trip and then on my trip back home definitely mad you, you know mass hand sanitizer they have hand sanitizer in the airport so i i just try to you can travel um, but you just have to protect yourself and you just have to stay away from people that are refusing to heed warning signs and trying to be act like they're invincible against exactly. everything. Exactly. And this is the new normal. And so what I've now shifted my mentality is a and it's unfortunate that we're living in a world where I don't think a pre twenty twenty world is almost like nine eleven. Certain things happen and I feel like it affects the way you look at things. Mm-hmm. And like there's a lot of things that I would do, for example, of top of the year, some of our friends were leaving to leave town, and like I was packed in a club, like elbow to elbow, sweating. And you I will never be able to do that. I again. will never be able to do that anytime soon. No, and like that's real. Like, and I feel like we have to accept. You know, I saw someone online today. Now, admittedly, this person is not someone that I hold in high regard, so I wasn't gags. But they were saying this is just like a flu, and I'm like. No, it's not. And it's like the idea that black people still are sharing that myth to make ourselves feel better about the fact that many of us can't afford to not sit, can't afford to sit in the house or can't social distance because our house isn't big enough. So they tell them that to sales that I think to make themselves feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I really think it's like a coping thing. Like if I pretend that this isn't as serious, and pe- and people are still going to church, right? And, and to- I feel like for black folks, I will say a lot of marginalized folks. It's not even just a color thing. I feel like marginalized folks don't have the access because they're working a lot of these jobs that are considered critical jobs that where they had to work the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because even though we're being negatively affected in the worst way, I feel like a lot of black people are just like cheering themselves on so they don't feel bad and it's almost like if we fuck up together then we all die together and it's like I don't want yeah, that bitch. no girl you die over there you die alone no girl I don't tell you no take your I have, I have something to live for and I wish our people did but it's almost like they feel like they don't have nothing to live for honey well at the end of the day we are all adults my black ass won't be at any cl- like I have no desire to be packed in the club with no mask on taking pictures face like i just don't because some things are just bigger than you and i actually want to be here i want to i want to be here to be on the other side of this um pandemic and you know i i'm willing to give up something um so more people will be safe i just think it's irresponsible and then Mm -hmm. to just promote it on so like and then you you act like you invincible but then when you get sick like the the same people that will do that stuff are the same people that if they get sick they want to say anything. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't even I don't even play around. I don't play <sighs> around with none of it. Mm-hmm. I don't play around. So let me let me ask you this question because um and this is a, in response to a topic that happened today. Have you ever had to deal with like um colorism or featureism like when you were dating or dealing with guys from them or to them or me to them um from them. Yes, um, and let me say, so I'm one of those people where I would get I would get awkward comments from different types of guys, right? Like, so then I would get comments from, you know, people who were darker than me that would make comments about like, oh, well, because believe it or not, to be real, I'm gonna keep it real. I feel like light skinned people tend to really have a. I was the, the light skinned men that I've dated. And the white men that I've dated tend to tended to make my blackness seem it was exoticized. Mm-hmm. I get that it wasn't like necessarily, but it at least felt good because people that lower lighter than me tend to appreciate my melanin. Mm-hmm. That's the shade. Um, I've heard from people darker than me or my complexion. Oh, you you pretty for a light skinned girl. I mean, you're pretty for a brown, a brown skinned girl. Mm-hmm. Or you're pretty, you know what I'm saying? Or like, I never will. I, I find myself being attracted to you, and I never thought I would be attracted to someone your complexion. Usually, I like girls lighter than you. 
And I feel like I'm that kind of kind of brown that's comfortable for people. Right. Does that make sense? Like there's there's dark skin, and I I admit that I am dark skin, and I'm happy and proud to say it. But I know that I'm at the line where I'm 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 still print ad acceptable to people. Right. Whereas I I'm aware too that I, there's a deeper level of oppression that I feel like darker skin women face when you're not like when you're beyond the point where you can't get makeup in the store or like when the when, when you have to when they show a dark dark skin model it's always like from Africa and she's like and they're putting her in like tribal clothes like it's very right. rarely that you see a black woman being able to represent a normalized standard of beauty in traditional beauty not today with Rihanna and those things you're starting to see the change and I feel like guys especially younger men are being told it's okay but like I am a '90s girl, and like I was, we were my sister and I since she's been here. We've been looking at sitcoms, and like just the representation of what they saw as black beautiful mm-hmm. was did not look like a lot of our mothers and family members and people in our communities and like sisters and like it's just they really had like a very narrow definition with long weave and a certain look of what was acceptable. And I feel like guys kind of when I first started dating, it was expected for you to have a weave or a permed hair. Mm-hmm. It was expected for you to kind of look a certain way to play up certain features to kind of like appear to look more lighter than you were. Even the way makeup was done. Like back in the day, the goal was to kind of brighten your complexion. Right. Whereas now I feel like we're we're open and accepting of different complexions and textures and whatever. But yeah, girl, I definitely experienced it. And I, and I feel like I know that I didn't experience it as bad as some people could. Some people have. But yeah, I feel like this might be, even be a whole conversation, bitch. Because you're right. Colorism is real in dating with men. Right. Um, no, I brought this up because there's this um, video circulating around of um, 50 Cent and Lil Wayne. They did like a um, live show. And basically 50 Cent was saying how he prefers dating exotic women and that black women are angry and all oh. all this other and then Little Wayne was encouraging it and co-signing it and I just wanted to like like have a, a light conversation about how colorism also impacts trans women in yes. dating which I think it I think it I think it does impact trans women in dating though I've never had anybody like I've never had anybody like directly say anything to um, me in regards to me being a darker skinned woman. I do hear how men kind of like exoticize like Asian trans women or like um, Latinx trans women over black trans women and just how they talk about trans how they talk about transness and how they talk about women and then I'll be in the room and I'm like well Miss Lang if you talk if you're like putting them on a pedestal because you know apparently you know the stereotype is like asian women and latinx women are softer than black women uh-huh. and they have softer features and they're um, smaller stature and not to mention the stereotype of them being somehow then more feminine right more yeah, yeah. they're more feminine so i've definitely um heard it um on that level i will also i also say why well, i haven't i've been, i have felt uh, um fetishized not only by um, yes, white men, uh-huh. but also by black men that prefer dark skinned women, like the chocolate and the like, all of those like pet names when I don't even know you, or just trying to put that on me because I'm dark skinned. Um, I just, I never really. Um, I, that's not something that I like. Because it's never that. It's always sexual, right? Like, right. It's, it's always like related to a flavor, related to a something that is for that it's like a sexual double entendre that's being said it's never like you're beautiful period right it's it has to be a it's your skin i love your skin your skin is cool and it's like to no other people do you walk up and just go in about a flavor and a texture of their skin well i bet that chocolate tastes good and this and that third it's like that's that's not even that like what she said that's fetishizing and that's different than you're being told you're beautiful and you know what i feel like this is a dark-skinned woman as a trans woman in particular i feel like me being dark-skinned if you look at porn and you look at how men interact with us i knew i was fuckable but it took me many years of my adult life to realize that i was beautiful and to know the difference i'm gonna be honest i can rarely like as somebody that has watched trans porn 
I can rarely like think of like a prominent dark skinned trans woman in porn. Like a dark skinned black trans. I can't. Um shout out to T S Tracy. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Well, let me say this. Shout there out to are some the whole puncher. There are independent ones, but I'm talking about ones that are on like platforms. Oh, right, right, no, they don't do that. Like it's very much like white trans women or Asian or Latinx trans. Like you really don't see like black, like dark skinned full figure women in porn like having their shine unless they're doing it themselves. So I think colorism definitely, and I also think colorism plays a role in our lives um, and our deaths. Because if you look at a lot of the black trans women who have like died at the hands of violence, usually they are like dark skinned trans women with like African features, and and it kind of it kind of makes you wonder like why is that type of violence only reserved for this like shade of trans woman or this trans woman that looks like this? Because if you look at a lot of the pictures that you know they they look black as fuck, and it's just like. Why is it okay to murder these trans women? And not and th- this is not to say that lighter skinned trans women or trans women who are different um, ethnicities aren't impacted by violence. But usually, when you come across the headline or when you're doing a hashtag, it's a young, like brown to dark skinned trans woman True with that. big lips and a big nose. So I think, but I also think because. A lot of cis women try to gatekeep and try to keep trans women out of um, us of conversations pertaining to women like intimate um, partner violence, like colorism, that we we're not put into the larger conversation where we can't even see how it shows up in our lives for ourselves. So we're just thinking it's just this one off thing. But really, it's a system that impacts all women and trans women are not exempt from colorism or featureism or being told that well we're not exotic and we're not this and what because you know we are also impacted by comments like that yes also let me tell you what's interesting guys so when i was before this podcast and this was a random occurrence it just happens to be exactly related right before this this if you remember me saying oh my gosh this is what came up so I was trying to just respond to a friend that was just remarking about something that was giving me a compliment. And I was just trying to say, yes, girl, that part. But I was like, wouldn't it be nice if I used a trans gif? So using Facebook's algorithm, I just typed in trans. The second image, is the, there was no black people, but the second image was Wanda. Jamie Foxx dressed up in mm-hmm. drag. And it was just like, so this is what they see us as. Right. And that's back to our disclosure conversation from my previous podcast. Like, those images are problematic not because by themselves that the comedian's intent was to make fun of us. But in general, like, even how men perceive dark-skinned trans women, it's a joke. It's like, if they were to Google and try to find, you would, the first thing you would find would be porn. And the second thing you would find is comedy. And it's just like, it's, it's unfortunate that the images about people that are, because, and then when you Google trans women, you have, you Google ebony, and then you have to find, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just is so reductive. And I feel like, and it, and it really boils down to, at a lot of times, your proximity to whiteness, and what you look like, and what features you have, and being told, like, you know, being told things about yourself, like, even if it's not color, but being made fun of because you have a wide nose, or because you have suit coolers, or because you have, because that's what I was told, you know, you have suit coolers, or because, you know, um, you know, you're, you happen to have features about you that people think are funny, like, we laugh, but like, a lot of that shit is just white supremacy that we're just like, put, reproducing on ourselves, and in dating, particularly with a lot of the guys, because it's also too, and this is deeper, because I feel like, we got to start getting the men to stop treating us like we are, I guess the word I want to say commodities. is commodities to be bought and sold in exchange. Um, and also to uh, to start tr- stop treating us like we are just these objects, too. Because in a way, I feel like when you hear men talk about what they like about trans women, it's usually physical. Right. But then, very quickly, they'll start saying, and I love me some chocolate. And I love me some dark skin. And I love me some this. And it's like, tell me us what you like about us. 
Oh, and I love this. And I do this all the time with men, and it never fails. I will say, what do you like about trans women? And they will immediately list sexual things. Immediately. Immediately. And it's like, wow. So when I ask you what you like about us as human beings, the only thing that you can think about is sex. That's where your mind goes first. And then when I call you on it, it's very much like, oh, I thought you meant, no, I meant what do you like about us as human beings? Do you like the way we laugh? Do you like our perspective in the world? Do you like the way that we, like, do you like our feminine? What do you like about us? And I feel like a lot of men cannot articulate what you like about us other than the sex, other than the best of both worlds, other than the I like titties and the dick, other than that. What do you like about us as human beings? And if you can't articulate that, low-key, you're a chaser. Mm-hmm. And we have to start calling a spade a spade. If you cannot articulate, what is it about this group of people that you are so instinctively drawn to them? If you have not done that soul-searching, and you're just encountering these bodies that you find attractive, and not looking at them human as humans, you're a chaser. And, like, we got to start unpacking that paradigm in our dating life with our men because the reality of it is we are a people that needs love. And we need people that love us for us, not for what we are or are not. Or what we can do for them in the bedroom. Or what we can do for them in the bedroom or what they desire. We have desires, needs, wants, feelings, and we are human beings. And, like, I feel like if y'all stop seeing us as these attaches to your life and only looking at how we affect you and your life and you realize that you're impacting us too you would be a lot more considerate in how you look at us as human beings and you would be concerned about the fact that many people can't even get beyond our genitals so why is it uh, when our men can't do it and, and it's really crazy because I don't think men realize the level of how that dehumanizes <sighs> honey well, that that was a cute icebreaker. That was. That was a cute icebreaker. Welcome to Black Grown Trans Woman Talk. That's what the fuck we do. Yeah, that was it. Um, we, I think we'll definitely revisit the um, colorism episode at a um, like in a, a in a standalone podcast. But I just really wanted to talk about it because it's just like once again with everything going on in the world, here are these two prominent black men shitting on black women when it was it was never it wasn't e- fuck Lil Wayne cause it's really crazy because now you have a dark skinned beautiful chocolate daughter mm-hmm. and you have a baby mama that is beautiful darkling and chocolate, chocolate as well mm-hmm. and you're telling these people and the children that they will bring into the world that they are not enough and fuck you for doing that and for putting that seed in your own child's head because you're an insecure man that doesn't know how to be with a black man because you, sir, have been buck broken to believe that your own people are beneath you. And that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. But you and also um, 50 Cent, and I'm disappointed in 50 because I secretly found thought he was a snack and a half on mm-hmm. the low. But Hell I know no. that he's a misogynist and all problematic, but he was a little hood back in the mind. But now that I know you hate yourself so deeply that I can't even root for you just as a black professional or as any type of just a figure, it's just like, okay, so fuck you very much. Because as a black woman, I want to only support people that are invested in my fucking right, life. Support black and it women, don't matter period. if you a black man. Let me say that again. Y'all black men got to start remembering that if you want us to fucking be concerned about you, your needs, and your lives mattering, you have to remember that all black lives matter. That includes women. Women. Dark-skinned women. Light-skinned women. All women. Trans women. Black people in general. Black men in general. Like... We have to remember that y'all black men, y'all don't have the luxury of telling the rest of us to fuck off. You don't have a luxury in a time such as this when you want everybody to be concerned about your motherfucking life for you to devalue black men in that way. Shame on you, Bo. Well, you know, my new motto is let the Karens and the exotical save them, honey. I don't have, I don't have time. I'm only interested in standing with people that's going to stand for me. That period. Part. So you will not see me going to bat for a black man unless he has demonstrated that he's down for the the cause, honey. And it's no, it's no shade because niggas let us down every time, every time. Even we we don't ask them to let us down. We let so Lil Wayne, Fifty Cent, they can crawl under whatever rock they want to crawl under. Um, Next topic.
So, for those of you who've been living under a rock, Kanye Nicaropolis West, <laughs> I'm just playing, I don't know if that's his nickname or not. <laughs> Probably not. But Kanye West, man assistant to Kim Kardashian West, one of the members of the Kardashian tribe is running for president. And let me just say this. Hell no. And and, my, and and that's just it. Like, I don't know how people... I feel like this is like the perfect setup for some bullshit. I feel like the way this election was looking, our president had done just enough stupid things where I feel like any Republican, even those of a, of a little bit of sense, will be like, okay, well, I don't agree with how... I, I agree with everything else, but the way he handled COVID, now that was some bullshit. I believe truly, even the craziest... Republicans were starting to be like, girl, that sanitizer comment, that injecting bleach mm. comment, like, girl, people started getting nervous. Right. I feel like everybody got shook. Like, oh, girl, wait. He, oh, uh, like, he, he's not connected to reality anymore. And that may not even be an age thing. That's probably just his uh, idiot thing. So I feel like he was fucking up. And I feel like even though Biden equally as out of touch in my opinion and also well not not equally i won't say equally because i'm gonna vote for biden so it's not equally right but biden is someone that i don't agree with him uh, in a lot of ways as a woman i have issue with the fact that we're just gonna <laughs> and cough over his own sexual assault issues mm-hmm. <laughs> like i that bothers me on a deep level like that we have to all choose the lesser of two evils when both of these people need to be investigated further and probably don't need to be running for president. Now, enter Kanye West. No, ma'am, because one, I have questions about his mental capacity, just being straight up. It's out probably in the public knowledge, alleged that he's gone through some stuff. So I don't want no shit. Like, it's not a read. I need you to be kind of, it's a lot of buttons you are responsible for pushing. Mm-hmm. And I need for you to be able to do that on a rational mind. Um, I also don't believe that he is going to be able to remain objective it seems like everything with him is about money or attention and like the last thing we need is another president on tour like Kanye will try to go on tour as president mm-hmm. with that, the back and choir with the, and everything on, and you, they won't have no mask on and he'll be doing it in Jesus name too much I don't want Kanye it scares the hell out of me one because he, he there's 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 I don't want to make the same mistake twice as a nation and I hope y'all don't either. So now, with two idiots versus someone that at least has political experience, I'm going to go with the person that has at least a little. Mm-hmm. Now, am I happy? No. But that's life. Nothing is perfect. We all had to concede sometimes something for something. And for me, the greater good means voting for Biden. I'm not voting for Kanye. Fuck that he's black. Because he is a manipulator and a user. And I truly believe he works for Trump right now. Go ahead, girl. Um, I don't... Kanye, I have no plans for on voting for him, and I just didn't take the president thing seriously, only because the amount of time that he would have to keep it together um, in order to successfully win a bid for president, I just I'm just not betting my money that he's going to be able to keep it together I wouldn't for a him, week. I wouldn't let trust alone him to do the drop for his podcast much less run for president right so it's just i think it just it's the it it just goes to the the fallacy of cancel culture because kanye was supposed to been canceled but he's a man and he's a man with access to money so he can't right so he can't really be canceled but it just goes to show how dangerous it is when people who don't have the best intentions but also have resources can be problematic and be harmful to actual marginalized people so I just I mean I just I'm not voting for Kanye West I think I don't I just think it's a I think it's another distraction I think it's another distraction he could he could be using his celebrity to to be positive and to do way more good than what he's doing but it's just it's selfish excuse me and it's always been selfish at this point and it's just it's like we don't need this. We already going through a lot. Exactly, exactly. And I don't want to give him no more time, girls. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't. Yeah, we're not voting for Kanye West. Um, yeah, uh, I have I have no interest. Um, over the weekend or Monday, it was reported that um, 
Holly Berry was considering taking the role of playing a trans man in the upcoming movie. She was talking about it on a live, and apparently she misgendered the trans man numerous times. So you know, as soon as um, community caught one of that, it was a it was a problem, a big one. Um, for for obvious reasons, like tra- like cis folks should not, at this point in time, it's not necessary for them to play trans roles, and it's not about is and it, you you have to be responsible with your platform. It's beyond that. People should just have the the person, the creative freedom, just to play whatever roles they want. You have to remember that every action that you take has a consequence. And the the documentary disclosure explicitly described how cis people playing trans roles is directly harmful to the trans community. And I thought. I thought it was going to be a rehash of Scarlett Johansson and how she was resistant to um, when she announced that she was playing a trans role. But about less than an hour after I shared the story on my Facebook page, there was a statement from Holly Berry saying, that "My God, <laughs> she was like my bad." After further consideration, okay, I've decided to withdraw from the role. I realized the error that I made, and I'll be stepping back. Which is what we, which is what we want folks to do, you know. Acknowledge that you made a mistake or you had an oversight. Like publicly acknowledge it and just fall back because there's so many um, trans men actors that are not only good but prominent and visible. So now there's no excuse to say that you can't, um, you can't find these actors, girl. So I, when I first heard about it, um, <coughs> I actually heard about it. By, because the apology came across my time. Okay. So I call her already. At, that's how you know how fast she moved. Right. Okay. So shout out to her publicist. Right. Okay. Because all that was a quick phone call and a real breakdown. And by Haley said, release it, bitch. Like, right. it's nothing. She said, I didn't even mean that. Because the reality of it is, is y'all don't understand. Trans people are marginalized in such a way that our voices are denied, even in our own families, even in our own communities, our own churches, our own people the people that we love don't even want to hear our voice so it, it, it we feel like we're alone in the world so then add to the fact that the escape for a lot of people is media tv the you know different shows and so for so many years there was no representation and then there was bad representation and it's because it wasn't us produced by us it wasn't showing a life from our true point of view so for Hallie and a lot of people do this and this is something they talked about in Disclosure and I hate to keep referring people to Netflix's Disclosure because no, we can educate them so what, real fast what, what we're saying is is that in the moment when you look at these roles where you've seen white actors sometimes a lot of white men actors have gotten Oscars and awards playing trans characters um, the reason why you that is problematic is because first of all these men are claiming that they, it, it almost makes it seem for the world like trans identity is performative it is performative that you can put it on and you can be trans and it can be so great that I believe that you struggle with gender identity and then, and take, then it take it back off and it minimizes also doubly the people that are trans actors, that are actors and actresses that have gone to school, that are trained, that are professional, that are qualified, that have acted in other things, and that are have that have the gift. It is a disrespect to them and their gift for the only roles that they can get usually being taken by cis folks who are doing it for an award. I truly believe in the moment when Hallie saw the script originally, she said, oh my God, this is another Oscar for me. Because if I can butch up, because people think I'm so sexy and I'm so Mm. pretty, and if I can play this role and I can really, really knock it out of the box, this will be legendary. And I think she jumped the gun thinking that. And let me tell you, I saw a lot of black people that were mad that she backed out of the movie because they would rather see Halle Berry try to play a man as much as possible and to get that experience then actually have a real trans person tell it because now then it becomes a tranny movie to them. It becomes a movie. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a tranny movie. At first it was a Halle Berry movie. Now it's a tranny movie. And I heard even some apologetic some apologist ass gays trying to be like well what if she could have told a story that would have brought more attention. Fuck that. Produce it bitch. You don't gotta act in it. 
produce it. Put your money behind it. Right. Actually make it your project. Get invested financially. Make it go if that's a story you want to tell. You can still get the Oscar, sis. Right. Use it and put your weight in it. Play his mama. Play his love interest. Just, or, or, or even more so, help someone else get on on that role and take this and make it a part of your legacy in a different way of you actually spending money and time and putting a trans person on. That's actually what would be performing. That would be better for me than her backing away. Because now it's like, now it's some untouchable movie that's not going to get told. Like, still make sure the story gets told, Hallie. You stepped in it, and we checked you. Now make sure that it passes back to somebody that can't handle it. And then you cradle this baby. And if it's a story you really gave a fuck about, you would make sure it got told. Right. It's, yeah, it's just it's that simple. And it. And if you want to be butch or be masculine that bad, play a, a masculine or a butch woman. Like, tell those stories. Though, like, who's telling those stories? Or rather, let a masculine center butch right. woman tell her own story. Like that's what I would love Hollywood is if Hollywood would stop thinking that great acting is having pretty people play dress up and play pretend like they're other people when there's other stories to tell and there are people that have gifts that don't have a, a Hollywood face or a Hollywood nose job and they have a great personality and they can play these roles because they live it and they are it and it will be a great way to use some of that big high, budget money to pay that they were going to spend to pay Hallie $20 million if they just spent $20 million on Five trans people that would change our community. Right. That's the gag. Right. The amount of money that they would have to play her to pay that role, they could pay five trans actors and make this an ensemble that would really rock the world with some of the best acting in the world because these are real people telling their stories. Just like it would be problematic for a white person to tell a black woman's tale. Right. This is a problem, and I'm glad she caught it. So this is shout out to Hallie. But now, make sure that this thing that you stepped in doesn't end in controversy and that this important story that you thought was so important that you wanted to get in it, make sure that it gets told, please. Yeah, but I just want to applaud Holly for uh, at least demonstrating for how you can make a mistake and, you know, publicly acknowledge it and make it right. Because she could have been shady and she could have resistance and she and she didn't do that but at the end of the day and good allyship is being able to take correction right yes, at, the, at the end of the day there are plenty of now we know and disclosure has a lot to do with this that there are trans masculine actors that are up for the task that could um that, and we have to give them the opportunity to rise to the occasion because we have really we have yet to really see their stories on screen so um and I think she thought it was going to be like a um, Hillary Swank boys don't cry moment. But mm-hmm. sweetie, that was 20 years ago. We can't, you know, we can't play the same games that we played 20 years ago. That no tea. No tea. Um, so transitioning to our next topic. Um, so one of the things that we did this weekend is we got to watch the Noah's Ark uh Anniversary Oh episode. my god How was it girl I really enjoyed it Like now I want a season bitch It was kind of, It was um, Noah's Ark definitely holds us As a show It just holds a special place in my heart Like I was in high school When that show came out And as somebody that was like Super femme And super kind And couldn't wait to like Get out of high school And go to college And like start my like queer trans or what you know whatever life that it was going to be like that was one of the shows that like gave me hope that like you know I could be me um and I just I I always have a um special place in my heart for the show and just to see the just to see the production of the thing because I I'm not gonna lie I was concerned I didn't know they was going to do Skype calls and how the or the layout but no shade it actually worked it actually worked for the show, but um, mm-hmm. it just warmed my heart. It just warmed my heart to see that they all still alive. They all look good, and it's just like they just picked up from where they left off. And I just felt like, as a community, it was a cute moment for us because whether we transitioned or whether we didn't, like I feel like for the black girls, that show was like a starting point for the girls that um, had that show in their youth. Exactly. Um, so let me tell you, I felt like, well, one, I'm gonna give my, so back in the day, my uh, crush on the show was Wade. 
but it Girl, was, that was everybody's crush. Yes, but it was also equal parts. Um, my light skin zaddy. Um, Trey. Trey. Hey, baby. Trey was my quiet storm, and I had a thing for him. And I also like Janito. Mm-hmm. Just because that was in my little Latin spice. However, um, after seeing how folks aged, um, I'm gonna say way I I find way way I'm over the whole like the whole braid back. Like I know that he did that for the for the premiere because that's he's trying to keep the look right. But I'm over the whole '90s straight back braids mm-hmm. and then like. But no shade, it worked for that time though. For that time period, so now no shade. I got I know I it was wonderful on the show. I was into him. He was my thing. I'm just saying now, fast forwarding, I would love if they could have changed his look up just a little bit to grown man. Right. Like he was Or just shave the the sides off. Or or let it salt put a little salt and pepper in it, give me something to make right. me feel daddy about it. Like it, it was he was a little back in time to you. Right. Like, um also, um, what's what's the oh yes. What do you feel about Miss Ricky face? Um, I feel like Mama definitely touched her face. Um, I personally feel felt like she didn't need to, because now it, lo- it looks it, it, it's like it's just it's one of them things where you look at the person and it's just like you clearly did something to your face, and I don't know if it was like the best thing. Cause like you we were saying, they gave like Walter Mercado tea. And we had just finished watching um, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Where um, Alexis Mateo did um, Walter Mercado for her um, Snatch Game And he's, his face is iconically punk, bitch Right So it was like, that's what it gave It's like, and did it, she detransition, bitch? That's what it gave It does mm-hmm. It gave Femme Queen Detransition Femme Queen Yes, it, that's what I'm saying Like It gave, like, I used to be a Femme Queen And then I joined the church Right <laughs> So, but But no shade From certain angles Like, you can't catch it But when you're doing, like, a straight on of Rick, when I was, And I was just like, ooh Because from the straight on It was fierce, bitch Right, but, like, from the side I'm like, okay But It wasn't altered too much Where I couldn't get but It was at, at first it took a while for us to Get into his character because we was just gagging <laughs> over his face. <laughs> but, but the character he fell right back. Right, on. he fell right. He eased right back on, and and that's that's what matters. But it just, I don't know. I still have fantasies about moving to L.A. Even though I know the L.A. and that show is not the L.A. that is there today because a lot of those black bars and clubs and places mm-hmm. are they closed, mm-hmm. and we we ain't going to no clubs anytime soon. So. But I, I still had fantasies of like doing like a year or two stint in LA <coughs> and being around the people. And no, girl, I did it. It was not it, girl. It wasn't it. Let me tell you, LA is that city that looks great because you've seen it on sitcoms. Right. Bitch, when you go and it's traffic, smog, bums, and blah, and it's high and expensive, and the people are are shallow or or and or they are really cool people, but like. They're living in an area where you can't be out too long at the night. Like it's, it was. So it's like Chicago. Oh, I've never been to Chicago to live. So I, can't <laughs> to, I mean, there's some areas in Chicago I will not be caught once. The and you know, when I go there, when I go there, I I try to avoid those areas. So I've never, I, I wouldn't even know what you're talking about, girl. But I'm aware because I do watch the news and I do have people like you that live there in my life. But I, I'm not. So that's not minimizing Chicago. I know it's real, but bitch. It was some teas. Um, it was some teas, and okay. I found it to be a place where people come with these dreams and ambitions. You can feel the hunger. You can feel the every time you walk up to somebody and they look you up and down. They go, "What do you do? Where? What? Who do you work for? What? What do you do? Like, what brought you to LA? Like, everybody wants to know." Who you're connected to so they can ride on it some kind of way. I just, that was the first time in the club I had been asked multiple times, like by niggas, like, so what do you do for a living? Um, why? Like, I don't even know you. You don't even, like, you barely asked me my name. And it's like, so are you a dancer? Are you an actress? Are you like, because they just assume. And I just didn't, I didn't care for that vibe. I didn't like that vibe at all there. However, bitch, not a, LA is get a LA's a city. 
but like the out parts of it, like in the empire, it was, it was like it was some. It, though people act like, oh, that's the worst place in the world to be, or like, um, I found like middle of California, like where it was like forty five minutes away from LA. Mm-hmm. That was dope to me. That was dope. Or like you go more to like Palm Beachy, well, even though that's expensive and white. But like it, it, you don't have to be in that like compacted LA vibe. I don't know. I just felt like that city was, and I lived there, lived there, and I, I didn't care for it. I only did seven months, and was like, I just ain't me. I did have a horrible relationship where he stole everything, and that also affected it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, girl, I don't care for that place. Like it's beautiful to go visit. Now, Tier, my husband, he was raised part of his childhood there. So we have, we will always have that connection. Like, I, and I do like going to visit, but live? Hell no. That's too high for me. I just can't afford it. Just keeping it real. I, I think I would like to do it for a year or two just to say, I don't think I want to practice law in California, but I would be open just to have oh, the experience. Okay. Um, if I did anything entertainment related, I might want to live there. Now, that might be tea. I would live there not for that. Now, if I get a, now if I get a job and I can afford it, see, that's different. Right. But I can't afford it. Right, but getting back to Noah's Ark, it was so good to um, see all of them on camera, and it's just like that's one of the hi- the highlights of my youth. Because um, I remember I got I got in trouble for watching that show as a child. I remember my mom caught me watching the show, and she get she was like, "Do you live this lifestyle?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." And that was the beginning of the uh, the the Rocky well. <sighs> Not even the beginning, but that was like the peak of the rockiness of our relationship. Because back then, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be kind, and I just wanted to be in a world, and I just wanted to find my tribe. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have like my clip. I like, I wanted my click of girlfriends like Noah and all of them. <laughs> so that I think that show kind of, if not anything, not even for the romance part, but it. Um, it always led me to desire friendships with um, other girls in community, like real friendships. Right, where right. We, where we supported each other, we hung out, and it was something. Because I, re- I remember even when I got to college, um, when I was at Morgan, I just thought I was going to um, find like this group of like other queens, and we was going to... Um, we was gonna take over. It did not happen that way because half of the queens was in the closet, and then the queens that was out was naughty as hell, honey. I, but but I had the ideas in my head, and I wanted to. Um, I wanted to. I wanted to be Noah. I just wanted to be Noah, and it was really good to um, see see the show and just reflect and see where all of the characters were. And I believe the episode is still up, and hopefully this leads to them actually um, not even getting seasons. I want Patrick Ian Polk to get the rights back to his show so he can do it with it whatever he wants to do. What's that about? You said that to me before, and I don't understand it. What What do you mean when you say that you hope he gets the rights back? So Logo has the rights to Noah's Ark. So what happened is. I guess when he pitched the show to Noah's Ark and they to Logo and they accepted it, they also owned the rights to the show. Um, so that means that if Patrick Ian Polk wants to do anything with the show or have any, like he doesn't have any control, he has to go through like Logo and Viacom. And the problem is that, like, so even to get like additional episodes of the show. He would have to go through them or get approval through them or have to be, you know, at their decision. And at this point, they just need to give him the rights back to the show. Exactly. Because they haven't done, like, they haven't done anything with the show. There's clearly a thing. And they canceled the show when it was at its most successful. So, like, let's talk about the tea of why Noah's Ark was even canceled in the first place. So the first season, and Patrick Ian Polk talks about this on um, on various interviews, and some of the cast members have talked about it. So the first episode, you know, budget is low; it's a new episode, but that you know they got it done, and it became the classic that it is now. So second episode, everybody needed more money, right. so Logo refused to um, give them more money to Uh-oh. do the show. So the second show, I don't even think they filmed it in LA. They had to film it in um, Vancouver to cut costs. So that's why a lot of the sets and stuff look different. So 
after the second season, that's why the second season left off on a cliffhanger because Logo canceled the show because they, and the logical deduction is they didn't want to pay them any more money and they cut the show because it was a black show. Oh, wow. And I think they were trying to say, I, re- I remember something from back in the day that like, um, it wouldn't be a good time because nobody is um, interested in seeing a show before black gay men. And if they ha- would do something, it would have to like be more diverse, aka include white people. And it's just like, like that was right. Ra- that was that's that it was racist. That's the institutional racism we're talking about. Right. The notion that. No one cares about your experience. There's nothing. Unless there's no right way you could tell a story that would be intriguing to someone that's not your race or your ethnicity or your uniqueness. Like it's like that's horrible, and that's why white people feel like they have, and people that are cis have to be, feel like they can tell other people's stories. Like at the end of the day, we all have a narrative and a story that is unique and that is beautiful, and that only certain people can understand. That does not take away from the collective, but I don't want to assume. That we live in a world where it's not that I can give people permission to not be curious. Like I'm not giving you permission to not be curious about your environment. You need to be curious about the people that are around you. The only way to truly say you care about people is to know them. And I don't like that we live in a world where if it, if it, if a white person isn't telling a story, that we don't expect white people to watch it. That we call it our we even as black people try to make our movies trying to attract white people. We make we, we, we talk about our lives and we try to code switch in a way that is convenient for white people to understand. And like we also do it to each other as far as those of us that are, 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 are intersectional in different ways. So then as a as a trans person, I'm still trying to be palatable to the majority. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like it be just irritating because Great shows like Noah's Ark will often get lost in the shuffle or left under the bridge because when people see people that don't look like them, that aren't them, we live in a world that is said, why should you care? And that's the problem is that until we learn empathy for people that are unique and different and learn to interpret their stories and be okay taking it from their mouth. We will live in a world where people like Trump can exist until we get that poison out of our mind that tells us not to be curious about our environment. Trump and people like him will continue to exist. White supremacy will continue to reign on the land and oppress everyone around her. White women will continue to behave like Karen. Police will continue to put their knees on people's necks because they will because none of those people are curious to know how their behaviors are affecting the communities that they're impacting. And and until we all learn to have empathy, none of those things will change. Yeah, I do, yeah, Logo just needs to give um Patrick Ian Polk the rights back to the show and actually let because that's that's another thing I liked about this anniversary because it gave the community the opportunity to give the show and everybody associated with the show their roses because like they said especially in the interview there would not be a pose without Noah's Ark there would not be a um, dear white people without Noah's Ark like there would not be a chasing Atlanta or Dallas without Noah's Ark like Noah's Ark started um, a lot for especially when we think about um, black um, queer media and how it's consumed and why a lot of these um, why a lot of these brands are now like self-produced and doing it themselves and telling their own stories and now we have all of these web series like Noah's Ark inspired all of that and Logo just needs to get like Logo needs to do right by Patrick Ian Polk and Noah's Ark and give them the rights back to the show so he so he can continue his legacy because this is a story that still needs to be so even though I'm not um, I don't identify as a black gay man I still want to see the story because they represent like my brothers in community and they like they still need and Logo is not doing nothing like what does Logo even do nowadays like other since RuPaul's Drag Race left. Girl, they lost RuPaul. That's the gag. Logo is irrelevant. And I feel like it's because they kind of white supremacy tea on the low. Right. Yeah. Like anything that was of color or anything that was... Even the lesbian stuff, it just never... Like none of it never lasted. So Logo is kind of a joke. And like going back to our gaslighting and sea lioning conversation. If you really want to atone, if you really want to make it right, give, give him the control back to his work. And... And you can do it. 
and do it It'll in a be way, of no consequence. I was going to say, and do it in a way where you're not crippling them as you do it. Because, you know, these big companies have a way of, like, saying, oh, yeah, we'll give you credit back for your work. But then we'll rape you on the back end for all of the profit and all of the money. And you just now are working for us in this capacity that's diminished. And we take creative control because apparently y'all have something that people like. And people are talking about how it impacts them and all of these cultural influencers are gaslighting y'all so then now they're gonna pull them back to the table and try to like bring them into something that is not the show right and i feel like more than just giving them the name of the show back and putting an inferior product out give patrick ian pope and all of those creatives around him the license to reproduce the magic that we all appreciate right so i i'm just hopeful that as a result of this like more um, tangible and intentional conversations will be had, and we'll be able to um, see something sure. in, like, in the vein of a new season, or because if everybody, if L Word and Queers Folk and all of them can get re- reboots, Noah's Ark needs a reboot as well. So I think I think we talk. I apologize, y'all, because the the episode. Is going to seem kind of short But the shade is me My sister and I have been in conversation For the past couple of days So a lot of the good shit Y'all just not going to get it today And it doesn't mean you're not going to get it always But every Anytime you've been around your good Judy That you haven't seen in like Literally forever And she's in town and y'all have been spending Nights and days together We're tired of talking Not to each other necessarily But we've discussed all like she said all of the all of the the juice, the magic, yeah, we we are excited to have this conversation with you guys. But we definitely think that we could do more when we are refreshed and relaxed and and, and able to really talk about new new things. We don't have nothing new to discuss. So, in I guess in closing, um, before we get into the the final thing, I just want you guys to remember. To donate and contribute on our anchor page. Also, like, follow, and subscribe on social media. And just remember that there is a live after show every Friday and it's interactive. And we work hard to make sure that we are trying to engage you guys. And so we're. Re- we're and I re- felt like we had a really cute conversation in response to the Grapevine video. Oh my gosh. So I guess we could wrap with just that little. Just because we want to acknowledge we had a lot of good content content there we did um we apologize for the video we were we recorded from our the laptop i think next time we do it together we're gonna just use the uh, our camera phones because the picture will be clearer but a lot of people were receptive to what we had to say in reference to the conversation with the trans attracted men and in reference to the grapevine conversation the good and the bad and how it can improve in the future i also want to say it was a the grapevine thing was interesting so have you ever been in a place where you realize you're talking and you say something and then you look back at it and you go okay because let me tell you what happened so after i we did the grapevine thing i was like i wanted to learn more about the young man that um did it and i realized i know him in a different capacity and he's always been a friend to me so it's really weird because it's i know also that he knows better than how he came off on that podcast with you because i know him know him who t.s madison's um no 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 the grapevine conversation we talked about that the week before oh bitch see i'm tired no the grapevine conversation okay okay so around about 56 girl we have okay yeah no but yeah i felt like we i felt like we had a good conversation about how we felt about the video, the good and the bad. Um, the link to that video will definitely be included in the um, the the notes about this episode. So definitely be sure after you listen to this, um, check out the video from last week because we talked about a lot. You know, we had a lot of critiques, but we also had a lot of opportunities for improvement should they have this conversation again so um yeah yes the grapevine conversation i remember so yes girl you're right um shout out to all of the ladies that were on that call even those that we disagree with right i want to also take this moment to say i am proud to see black trans excellence i think everyone carried themselves in an excellent manner 
I think that everything that was spoken on there came from very unique points of view. I don't necessarily agree with all of everything that anyone says. Neither do and I. that's why when we have our platform, and that's why we do what we do, because we're aware that there are differences in opinion. But in having a difference, it is important to acknowledge that the person you disagree with is not an enemy. And I want to put that into the space. I love everybody. And that's why I always try to say that. Shout out to all of the women that participated. And we're grateful for you. Right. Because at the end of the day, that was a positive representation of transness. Because it we was. were diverse and beautiful. And, and I, feel like we, I feel like we said that on our live. That it was we great did. just to visually see all of the trans women together in uh-huh. one space. But I want to acknowledge each and every one of them, including those that I disagree. Because right. that is important. And and we can and we are all adults and we can all critique and engage in debate and I think that's what will make us better and stronger as a community. Definitely. Um, so I think we're going to end here because it's pretty late. So um, we will see you um, on our live this Friday, and we will see we will have a we will see you next week when we record for next week's episode. So take care, stay safe, wear your mask. We will talk to y'all guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number Five Twelve Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Don't forget to go to our Anchor page to become a monthly sponsor. And also feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. And also, please don't forget to rate and review our podcast, Every Comment Matters. And lastly, please, please, please follow and tune in for our live interactive Facebook show every Friday on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, I'm the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye.